This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Paul. Hi, I'm Marissa. Hi, I'm Evan. We're going to talk about Sales Pitch, a science fiction short story by Philip K. Dick, first published in Future Science Fiction, June 1954. And uh, Evan, you were saying uh, something interesting about the the notes um, that Philip K. Dick wrote about this story and other stories in in the late 70s. Can you? Yeah. Uh, so if you, if you got the collected stories, uh, there's a lot of different editions of of these that came out, but they're all basically the same. Sometimes they move stories around, but at the end of these, we have notes on each story, um, and it gives like the date that these were sent to the agent, mm-hmm. and it gives the dates they were published, and sometimes it has notes by Philip Dick about them. And it's where these come from are when these stories were anthologized during his life, and he gave some comment on them, and that tended to be like in the late 70s when these stories were kind of packed together. I don't, I don't know where these stories were originally published in book form, but... Sometimes Dick wrote about them. So for a handful of these stories, I think it's only maybe 30 or so of all the short stories, he has his some of his reflections on on them. But I think what's interesting about these is, and it's, it works the same way if you read the exegesis and look up stories or look up novels that he wrote early, is that it's really late in his life after a lot of stuff has happened to him, and he, he's had a lot of changes in his perspective on things. Um that he starts to come back to these stories. And, and the question I always have when I read these notes is how much is he being, is he actually remembering what he was thinking when he wrote these stories and how much is he projecting his, his late 1970s worldview onto these? I think tales. a lot more of the latter than the, the former. Cause That's I, what I would think. I read this story. I read his notes. Um, I disagree with his ending, his revised ending that he, he's talking about because I think he, he doesn't understand the mindset that he was in when he wrote it. Um, and I think I do understand <laughs> yeah. the mindset he was in because I read it a bunch of times. And uh, he's he's really, really sensitive. That's that's Philip K. Dick's mm-hmm. thing, right? He's, he's really sensitive to a lot of things that people, other people don't pick up on. Um, because I'm like that too. I, I, that's why I like Philip K. Dick so much is because I can see, yeah, he's obsessed with tiny little details that other people seem to have no interest in, especially his wives. Right, um, and the wife characters as well. So if you think about like what this story is really about, um, and that's hard to figure out because Philip K. Dick doesn't even know what it's about later on in life. Um, you can see why why he doesn't like the ending, and why a lot of other people don't didn't like the story. He says. Um, and looking at the adaptations, there are more than one. There's the radio drama from the 80s, and then there's the, I guess, 2017 um, Electric Dreams adaptation, which is pretty damn loose. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's like, what does this really have to do with the actual story? I was trying to figure that out as I was watching it last night. Like, they're trying to figure. What? They're trying to figure it out too, and I think they actually come a lot closer than a lot of people might guess. Um, because they are at least trying to figure out what the story is about, I think. Um, and then they mess it, they mess up a lot of stuff just for, I, I, it's like, it's like the people in the UK suddenly don't know how to do science fiction at all. <laughs> like they, I've been watching this show and like, 
okay, so we, have you never heard of like uh, plots and you know and through lines? Why do you have to set it up around scenes? The Harry, the Harry Potter books and the Harry Potter movies make it so that you have to have this scene, and now we have to have some dialogue connecting those scenes. Like th- th- that adaptation is so not well thought through. But in individual scenes, everything generally works, right? Yeah, I was enjoying it as it was unfolding and thinking like, ooh, what are they going to do here? How are they going to tie all this together? Like, this is going to be – they're doing so much. Yes. But it didn't tie together. They are doing (laughs) so much. And a lot of it is good. But it it really has no through line and no no yeah, thought it didn't behind come together. it. One thought, unified thought. Um, but you can see, like I see a lot of reflections of the story in in the Crazy Diamond. Anybody know why it's called Crazy Diamond? By the way. Um. No. Tell us. I no. I don't know. I'm. Uh, I have an oh, idea, oh, oh. but uh, it's not. It's. I have no knowledge of why it's called that. What's your theory? You do have a theory? Yeah, I, I'm. I so I'm not. I'm a, again a person who is very strange. Like I don't listen to music, which is pretty damn strange. Almost everybody I know, like has a music collection, listens to music. Um, so I'm pretty sensitive when it comes to <laughs> noticing music, uh, because it, it generally annoys me. It's like it gets into my brain, takes over my thoughts, and then uh, I can't. Um, have my thoughts you know like i've been colonized in a certain sense um so i noticed i noticed the music in in the the television show um and uh i think that that's important it was very important to philip k dick he was a big music guy right chamber music mostly um and uh i think that whoever i looked up the guy who wrote that adaptation and he seemed to he seemed to get a he hasn't written anything that I, I liked or I've seen really, but he seems to have he seems to know Philip K. Dick, right? He he made there's lots of little sort of details that show that he did you know have some acquaintance with Philip K. Dick. So um, did you guys notice the name of the boat? No. Yeah, J. D. John D. Uh, yes, it's John D. But it's not John D. The uh, magician. I don't think. Well, it's Downland. It mm-hmm. must be. Well, he was singing the song. Yep. Right. Right. He was singing that's the song. The code yep. or something. Something with the heist was the song, I think. Right. Yes. It makes that's no sense, but John Downland. Yeah. I, I tweeted you guys the. Um, that's one of two pseudonyms PKD used in his lifetime, apparently. Um, oh. The guy that he, wrote the song that has a. The, the, the line, flow my tears, where we get flow my tears, the policeman That's said. right. It's some 16th century music or something uh, played for the lute. So he they sing that little, they sing a couple lines from that in the in the show. And Philip K. Dick actually didn't use John Dowland as his Philip K. Uh, his uh, pseudonym. He used Jack Dowland. And then if you mm-hmm. notice on the show, they have these things called Jacks and Jills. Yep. Um, which are their versions of androids and gynoids, I guess. It's I, I have no idea how the it's science their technology works. Uh, it makes no sense. Their system. It's it, it's but, their yeah. replicates. Yeah, well, it why is. Why can't they just the, say obviously. androids? That I never quite understood. Even with Blade Runner, they had to invent this term replicants. What's wrong with the android? I don't know. 
I I, I don't know what they're doing because uh, <laughs> like the QCs or what like there's so many so many sort of throwaway technologies in there that don't I don't know that this 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 story is just like full of science fictional ideas without real cohesion which I I appreciate the ideas was like what is this story even about yeah, the so, Philip K. Dick story or the TV show? The TV show. <laughs> the, oh yeah, okay. the, the, the the Philip K. Dick story is also all over the place. Yeah, well, that's the thing is, I think by attacking it from the outside, we can work our way into this short story. So I, I do want to talk about the show first, um, if we can, just because I okay. think I think that looking like some of some of the things that are going on in it are either homages or in jokes or fan service. I, I'm not sure what to call it exactly, but um, the fact that we get a mention of the Fazrad, I actually, I quite like that suddenly, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I was saying, the individual scenes, I think, are fairly good. Um, and when the wife <laughs> starts saying, I had a dream, uh, a Fazrad came to my house and it wanted to sell mm-hmm. itself. And, and then there was a line at the end of that little sequence where she said something like, or, or the... The sales lady said something like, um, but dreams have their opposite meaning or something like that. And this, it's like the wife says, yes, I've heard that. And I was like, okay, so that's going to be the coda for the show, I guess, right? And <laughs> I get to the end, I'm like, no, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Still doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense. But uh, I, th- I think that that was a, an interesting nod to the fact that they, they really are way off, off of... Um, the reservation in terms of what, what story they're adapting. Yeah, That's true. They could have they could have adapted any story and just cause with the changes. I I don't see that much. I mean, maybe there's some thematic overlap, but I, I think this is actually a pretty good episode. It's not just the Easter eggs. There's some thematic elements that I think mm-hmm. resonate with some of the stuff Dick was writing about, especially entropy. Entropy is running yes. throughout this whole episode. Is, Everything's mm-hmm. decaying. There's very stagnant. And and that is the, that is the connection back to the story as well. That yeah. entropy is totally what the story is about, I think, amongst other things. Um, and absolutely, I mean, there's some there's some weird things going on. Like they've got the shoreline is completely covered in metal under just underneath the surface. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that makes me think it's artificial world. You know, like uh, we've seen in PKD novels where. The entire world is just a construct, and there is no... It's almost like uh, the Truman Show, right? Where it's a false reality. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I was thinking. It's like, oh my god, this place is entirely fake. What does that mean? I was hoping for a reveal where we'd see the the world really is some sort of strange construct, but it doesn't quite go there. I mean, at the the end, the... uh, the Jill, the Jill and the wife go sailing off together, and and uh, our protagonist winds up washed up on a beach, and it's like so okay, and he's holding the record, like what? Yeah, I don't think it has to be a construct, though. I, I think the the world is sterile and fake, and yep, that's sort of how Dick describes the, the world so often. It, it doesn't have to be. Um, like time out of joint, the constructed world. It's You're right. Uh, we yeah. actually live in that place with all this fake kind of diner, all these bad diners and McDonald's and yeah, that would make an uh, commuting lanes. Every kind of everything is predetermined where you know how we get home on these roads and the, everything is fake around us. So 
you know, you just kind of project to the future. Well, you know, if everything becomes like sterile enough, yeah, it's all fake. It's fake, but it's like they, I guess they know it is, and that's the law, right? Like even their food and stuff, they can't, they can't grow their own food, or somehow they kind of know that everything has to be completely controlled. I don't know if I understand. Yeah, I don't know if I understand this episode though. Like, like every time I think back to it, there's pieces that make me think I didn't understand something. Like, why is there a pig lady? Like, I don't. She's 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 basically kind of a Jill. She's a she's forty percent human and sixty percent non-human. Yeah, it's basically a quirky. It's a it's to make it quirky. That's why. That's why she's there. Yeah, yeah. You know, none of the other Jacks or Jills we see look porcine. They mentioned they got a throwaway line that they they use pig genes along with humans to make the Jacks and Jills. It's just yeah. Like I thought, it, maybe it, we're going to find out something about this. Like maybe the pigs have some kind of role in the in the government, or you know, they're spies, or you know, there's something. But she was just a lady to talk to. <laughs> yeah, a pig lady. And uh, yeah, the ending the ending is is terrible. Mm. <laughs> That's the that the thing is is the episode is yeah. interesting. It's interesting, but really, mm-hmm. it, it, like the rest of the series so far, they really just they don't really understand what what they've got. I mean, it, it, they're hard to adapt. I get that, but seemingly they've been able to turn them into action shows. You know, the <laughs> action movies and <laughs> stuff. There are ways yeah. of adapting these things, and um. Like, some of it, I think, is just callbacks or, you know, nods to other shows. And, and I mean, here's the, here's the one that I think that they, they said, oh, yeah, you can adapt this any way you want. That's probably what they said to them, right? Because the, they're, they're, they're really, they're 1950 stories in, in a lot of senses, right? So it's hard to um, just straight up adapt them without upping the technology. So... It seems to me that the the scriptwriters really liked the movie uh, Double Indemnity, which is a great movie, right? You guys seen this movie? It's based on a novel by James M. Cain. No. Yeah, it's a cl- it's a classic noir film. It yeah. is a classic film noir, and it's about a salesman who comes to the door of a lady, and she convinces him to kill her husband and collect on the insurance money, and they'll live happily ever after. Um. So, I think they saw this as a, in the robot, the Fazrad, as a salesperson um, coming to somebody's door, and then they said, "Let's do a gender swap um, with the ending, so that the in, instead of, or I don't know, the character swap, instead of the husband uh, being killed by the wife, uh, the wife's going to get killed by the husband. Who who knows? And then at the end, uh, they." They somehow swap, and now the girls are teamed up against the guy, but they didn't really work for it. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. what, what uh, what's with all the uh, IVF treatments? Like, that has nothing to do with it. I mean, okay, maybe that's why everybody in the world has no babies. That's why they're so manufacturing so many Jills and Jacks. And the thing yeah. is, is, as a whole, I think this, sh- this show is just a complete and utter failure. But it is useful, and I found it useful in thinking about about what works in a story um, and what they're trying to explore but not doing a very good job of. So um, maybe 
maybe it's time to start talking about the story. But I think, and are there any other issues that you wanted to bring up about the 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 TV adaptation or maybe the uh, radio drama, which is much more faithful? I I, I didn't get to listen to the radio drama. I do bring up one thing about the TV show that can lead into as a lead into the themes of the story, and that's. I mean, it's clear from in the TV show that our main character wants to escape. I mean, that's why he gets the boat. Mm-hmm. That's why he wants to go sail. He talks about going to El Dorado and, and cocaine, uh, cocaine, and the Seven Seas and Ultima Thule. He, he mm-hmm. mentions lots of imaginary places. The clear is, is he wants to escape. And and now, if we look at the story, what does the what does the protagonist of the story want? He wants to move. Him and his wife to Proxima Centauri, where things are a century back, and he can escape the tyranny of the the omnipresent advertising. Yeah, so twenty fifty. Twenty fifty is a nightmare, but uh, nineteen fifty is perfect. <laughs> Hence, mm-hmm. Philip K. Dick has no reason to write this story. <laughs> well, nineteen fifty advertising is not everywhere, apparently. Well, well, well. I mean, you mentioned that. I mean, Evan mentioned. My favorite PKD uh, novel of all time, Time Out of Joint. I mean, what's what what's the what's the premise? Time Out of Joint. The the guy go crazy goes crazy, imagines he's back in his past of 1950s America. So mm-hmm. they build a town around him that looks like 1950s America. So this is something that's near and dear to Dick's heart. Yes, that that the the 50s of his high time of writing short stories. That's that's his world. Yeah, well, it, it, it's something. It, it, Yep, in it. that time, it's something static that has to be escaped from. And that's why he throws the frontier in at the end of Time of Joint. And the, mm-hmm. the frontier is in the story, certainly, sales pitch. It's sort of in here in that boat, in the, in mm-hmm. the episode of sales pitch or crazy yeah, time. Yeah, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's sales pitch. And in yeah. the TV show, we never get to that frontier. We aspire to go there, but we never get there. In Time Out of Joint, he actually manages to actually succeed and escape. Yeah, and those are his choices at the end of Time Out of Joint, right? Do I go back to my insanity do i go back to the 1950s or do i leave it's not necessarily it's going to the moon but it's do you project yourself into the future yeah and i think that's in a lot of dick's 1950s writings even in things like the man uh, the man who japed or solar lottery there's these kind of static uh political dystopias that he was playing with and he does in vulcan's hammer uh mm-hmm. even dr futurity there are these political dystopias he's he has different models for them but there's almost always a, an external frontier that provides a way out and it's it's in a lot of these stories it, like all the way back to solar ladder you have a, a movement that's trying to get to the 10th planet of the solar system and I, I think at this stage in his career it's a way to kind of get out of something that's being plagued by this entropy and this stag- stagnation yeah I, I think that theme the the show you know at least was on the right page Although I think with the short story, I kind of got that there was the third choice, which was the the frontier was just so impossible. Like even his wife said it, that the third choice is basically suicide, which is the choice that he makes. Mm. Is that what so is that what happens at the end of the of the episode? Did, did, I, I got the sense that the two ladies pushed no. him off the boat, right? No, no, I'm t- yeah, only in the Philip K. Dick story. Like I think yep. that's what the big difference was. I feel like the Philip K. Dick story was more interesting and was, mm. um, yeah, a guy kind of like going crazy. He just couldn't get away from that life, that like relentless advertising fake kind of life. And then he had he ended up making that third choice. 
but the TV show didn't really go in that direction. Mm-hmm. I actually think there's a fourth choice. And mm-hmm. it's hinted at in early in the story when they're talking about going to the, moving. Norris is trying to tell his wife, we got to get out of here. And she, um, he says, it's 100 years behind times. None of this. He indicated the stove and the furnishings in the living room. Mm-hmm. We'll have to do without this. We'll have to get used to a simpler life the way our ancestors lived. You think you'd like it? No ads, no sales robots, traffic moving at 60 miles an hour, blah, blah, blah. And he goes on. But also no stove. And I think the proper choice, this is me, and this is if kind of my, my, my intellect imposing myself onto the story. And I don't think this is what Dick thinks, but mm-hmm. I think the proper choice is to buy the fast ride. Mm-hmm. Because Morris doesn't understand how odious domestic labor is. She's got the second shift, too. She's doing all this domestic labor, and she's got a job. She's doing something with the his, history bureau. The fast rad would liberate her. I, I, I heard your podcast on this, and I actually I want to get into uh, a little bit of... Uh, I love that, like you, when, <laughs> like you I, I have my own interpretation. It's based on my life experience and my life goals. Philip K. Dick's yeah. stories are kind of like Rorschach. So uh, yeah. you know, I, mm-hmm. I I know what I know what Evan's plan is. Evan's plan is to buy some land in Wyoming or Minnesota or whatever. I can't remember. Wisconsin, where. yeah. Wisconsin, okay. Um, and you know, get some wide open space, the frontier sort of, sort of. Well, you know, homesteading basically sounds. Um, so I'm like, I, I'm like, no, no, no. So I have my own interpretation. But before we go too far away, all the way. To, I forgot the crazy diamond. I think there's a song. I'm again. I'm not a music. Well, guy. no, there, 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 oh, there's, yeah. a, there's a Pink Floyd song right. shine on you, crazy diamond. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the with at the end with him uh, rubbing his record so that it has a uh, it plays music while you just use your hand on it. And I noticed when he was playing the record on the record player, I guess we're supposed to notice these things. There was no actual music attributed on the label. The label was blank. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I think they're, they're influenced by music and the John Dowland uh, name of the boat and, and the fact that Philip K. Dick is influenced by music. I think that that's all very interesting. But I don't think that any of that's in the story. I don't think that... Is there any musical reference at all in the story? No. Flatulence. Flatulence. <laughs> okay. That doesn't count up. Well, why don't we start there? Okay, so that, that scene was hilarious. Um, and that ad yeah. is hilarious. Where, um, it, 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 how's it go? Erotic love play? Yeah. <laughs> are, are we assuming these are personalized for the audience? Yes. Yes, they, the they are Google ads. That's why it's... it's it. So, does this happen to you, the voice boomed? During erotic sex play, do you uh, offend your love partner by the presence of gastric processes, which the voice died and he was passed? Um, yeah. uh, so, it's like having your, your worst, like, bully following you around, just like... Oh, Bully cross, nag cross. <laughs> yes. I wanna, yeah, what, I wanna what, point, point out how that this is, um, this is actually kind of. Uh, I, I'll read that paragraph first. Um, the one that's just this erotic love play ad. Men, an unctuous voice thundered on all sides of him. Banish internally caused obnoxious odors forever. Removal by process, painless methods of gastrointestinal 
intestinal tract and substitution system will relieve you of the most acute cause of social rejection. Apparently, the most acute cause of social rejection is bodily odors of farts. The visual (laughs) image locked a vast nude girl. And we've seen this in a lot of PKD uh, movie adaptations and TV shows, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Blonde hair disarranged. Blue eyes half shut, lips parted, head tilted back in a sleep-drugged ecstasy. That's kind of whack. Uh, The features ballooned as the lips approached his own. Abruptly, the orgiastic expression on the girl's face vanished. Disgust and revulsion swept across. And then the image faded out. That is brutal! (laughs) Brutal! (laughs) So funny. It is hilarious and and, and brutally, brutally funny, but... Um, what is the solution to this is not to have, you know, just control your farts or a particular drug that'll <laughs> keep your farts in check while you're love playing, but rather, <laughs> rather to replace your intestines with a plastic chute or something, right? Right. <laughs> and I noticed that almost all the ads, and this is kind of like the, you know, when I talk about walking through my neighborhood and seeing, you know... There's the skin salon and the nail salon and the hair salon and the tooth salon, right? It's all about cleaning up people, making them more acceptable for... Making them less animals, yeah. Yeah, making them less farty, I guess. I don't know exactly. Yeah. Like, just prettier and, and less farty. Um, and then there's not, not a lot of bookstores, so uh, this is what ads are for, right? Is they're designed to, you know, play on your fears and, and that stuff, but... I think, totally. I think that if you look at the other ads, there's another ad. There's one about having your eye, want your least used eye, which I think is pretty funny. Yeah. I, I use both of mine a lot. Um, <laughs> but you get your use, least used eyes replaced <laughs> with a uh, basically uh, what a augmented reality. Uh, yeah, Google Glass. A Google Glass, right? And so actually, Philip Dick, when he does those notes, he sort of forgets what. I think all these ads are about is about actually being replaced by your robot, right? So what the real threat to the family and and to the Philip K. Dick uh, stand-in character, Ed Morris here, is is that that robot is going to replace him as the husband, is going to replace him in his life. It, it can literally replace him at his job, right? And it's, for up to 10 days. and it's curious <laughs> that the robot cannot replace the wife at her job. He's, the robot says, I cannot, uh, you know, I, I won't be useful to you in your work, but I will be useful in your home. Right. Mm. Says the Fazrad. Um, so it got me to think about like, what, what, what is, how did this story come into existence? And I think I know this is, this is the door to door salesman comes to your house, right? And if you're like Philip K. Dick or you're like me, you don't like being rude to people. <laughs> you can't just say, fuck you, go away, I don't want to hear it. That's hard. So you try and be nice, and if, if you do that, you're a sucker. Because the, there are, the people who are really good at sales, I know this from experience, um, are not, they don't really care about you as a person. They're using you as... Uh, is it Kant? Yeah, Manuel Kant would say, as a means to an end, right? They have mm-hmm. a, a quota they, they need to hit to get their bonus, and 
they need to extract the money from you. This is why I was such a terrible salesperson. I was consistently the worst salesperson in the sales department uh, when I had one job of calling people up and trying to convince them to pay money for a service that was essentially available free. Um, and I was terrible at it because I would not want to... Imp- I was. They would tell me what I was supposed to say, and I couldn't say that because that would mean I was using them as a means to an end. So you've got this robot, these robots that endlessly, horribly pursue you in a way like a psychopath would, right? They have no feeling for you because they can't. They come to you, they knock on your door, they say, I'm coming into your house, and then they start doing the thing that they do at the, the... this is literally, I, I had another job when I was a kid, um, working at a vacuum vacuum sales and uh, repair place, vacuum cleaning machine, r- repairs and sales. And I, my mom, my dad was dead, so we didn't have a lot of money, so I'm helping out. Right? My mom's got a second job, even though she's a teacher, uh, trying to pay for the mortgage to live in the community and make everybody cool, you know. Um, mm-hmm. She's she's out selling door-to-door uh vacuum cleaners and i'm in the repair shop uh learning to repair i guess like philip k dick did <laughs> you know <laughs> televisions i'm repairing vacuum cleaners but I, I i understand how the the um just being around it i understand how the vacuum cleaner sales work what you do is you go to the person's house you knock 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 you say i've got this thing you're going to be amazed try it out it's not called a fazrat it's called an electrolux and what we're going to do is we're going to pour this horrible bag of garbage and basically coffee grounds all over your carpet. And you're going to be shocked oh, and wow. angry. at Fazred style. Absolutely. You're <laughs> going to be shocked and angry at what we did. And then this wonderful, delightful machine that's absolutely powerful and the tip-top end of, of the things. The Joneses next door are going to be so jealous is going to make it go away. And you're not going to believe it. You can't believe that yeah. this horrible mess could be cleaned up. And what lo and behold, hazard? the machine does it, right? Yeah. Notice how fluffy and free of dust this rug is. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> right? And and what is what is the job of a husband around the home other than, you know, to occasionally have sex with his wife? His job is to fix things up, to make things not fall mm-hmm. apart. And that's what the faz it's it's not a threat to him as you know making his life better um, and more convenient. It's a threat to him as a man, as his only possible purpose of living in a house with a woman. If they're they don't even have kids, right? That's that's the thing that's going on in the story, and they picked that up in the uh, in the in the TV show. You know, they mention why they don't have kids. If they don't have kids and he can't even do his job as men, one of the ads was for impetus, impotence, I think, even in the mm-hmm. story. Um, yeah. He's actually, this is a threat to him as a complete replacement for his existence. And the the stand-in character is, it's like PKD is super sensitive to, to ads like I was. And, you know, just couldn't, couldn't stand like you know most people they they could live with the mute button you know that's wonderful invention you mute button you don't have to listen to the ads me i couldn't even do that i had to buy a machine that would record all the shows i wanted to watch and then i i would fast forward through the ads so that i wouldn't have to have the time wasted right 
every yeah. every three minutes or you know three minutes of sitting there listening to nothing is is a waste of time. If you can fast forward through the ad, you could still get the content, right? This there's something <laughs> fascinatingly interesting about this story that he's not recognizing in that late. 70s yeah. thing and I, and I think like you um Evan you're you're like no these we need these appliances and there is definitely that attention or uh not attention there's definitely there, there are advantages to having and living in the city you know this I know this everybody I have electricity I don't have to generate it myself my god that's useful it would it would be okay to have one of these devices if it wasn't like a really horrible house guest on coke. Like if you didn't have to interact with <laughs> yes. it. And if it wasn't like constantly talking and asking you questions, like that's what's annoying about it. Yes. If it was just a, I'd be all for the machines, but shut up. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's the same reason. Like I have the same allergy to ads. Like I can't, I, they're unbearable. I can't stand that. So the idea of having this faz red, just like nattering yeah. away, I would, I would commit suicide as well. <laughs> I totally I think, relate to this story. <laughs> yeah, so, 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 so do I. I mean, I buy D, I buy DVDs and Blu-rays still, and the and the ads at the beginning is like, why do I need to watch these? Get through it as fast as I can, so I can actually get to the movie. Especially if I own it, watch the movie a dozen times. If I just let it play, I'd see the ads every single time. The, the, the mandatory FBI warning, too. Don't forget about that. Yeah, yeah you, you can't fast forward through that. It's just like it's stuck there. It's like, ah. Oh. state advertising itself. But the, 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 key, the key three lines in this story based on this reading that you're having, Jesse, is, is there anything you can't do? Oh, yes, there's a great deal I can't do. But I can do anything you can do That's right. considerably better. Mm-hmm. Boris Ladders brought slowly. I'd be insane to buy you. Yeah, there's also that line at the start where I think that's the one that sums it up where he's complaining about the advertising and he says to his um, wife, like, they follow you around until you die. Mm -hmm. That's like his fear and that's like exactly what happens. And it's so depressing because that's also our life. That is absolutely (laughs) our life. And, you know, I heard a story the other day. I'm sure you've all heard this one as well. Somebody said to somebody else, Twitter isn't the real world or something like that. I was like, that's mm-hmm. bullshit. That's like saying electricity isn't the real world or central heating isn't the real world. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's possible that Twitter's going to change. And, and I mean, it is changing. It's constantly evolving, right? Unlike maybe central <laughs> heating, it's not change, which doesn't change very much over, over centuries. Um, it, is a, it is the reality. It is a certain kind of reality. Yeah. And, and I'm sorry. Oh. But the real world isn't the real world anyway. So. No, it's absolutely not. You, you, we, we don't even experience anything like the real world. We have some sort of connection to things that are in the real world, absolutely. But, yeah, we're, we're not in the real world um, because that's inaccessible, really. But the thing is, is um, the reality of bots uh, on, on Google, like I can, I have ad blocker on my phone i have ad blocker browser on my computer you know i don't have to deal with a lot of ads in podcasts i have the fast forward button you know the 120 seconds ahead or whatever so i can skip a lot of them but um the most insidious one i think is uh i notice like somebody i I tweet something and somebody will say a comment and i've sort of had the policy um, unless it's really horrible, I, I will just favorite everything somebody <laughs> says to just acknowledge their existence, basically, right? Because, you know, I I would want to be acknowledged. It's nice of them 
to acknowledge me, that sort of thing. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I notice I have this problem now. I, I, I get a tweet, somebody tweets something back to me, and I look at it, and I think, I think this is a bot. And I'm really worried. Oh. I'm very worried that I'm going to falsely identify people as bots, because if I did so, um, that would be mean. Um, but bots can't care. It's not that they don't care. It's that they can't. Their whole existence is to generate traffic so that you become their follower and they're using you as a means to an end. The, the horrible thing about, about robots as salespeople, um, and I'm not talking androids, but robots as salespeople, not the you know androids that think they're people and that sort of thing, but robots that have a script like the one that is going on and that's the horrible ending right at the end of the story is he gets stuck in that loop and philo k dick actually plays up on that so there's a line somewhere in the story where he says um the robot says uh military or something like that and and then philo k dick notes that uh that seemed to take on a whole different track right in the conversation or the dialogue so that the robot has like these tapes inside of it they it can play and respond to uh specific words that it says or specific words that come up in conversation not that they really have conversations right um but the the very fact that the robot doesn't say what the product is at the beginning that is a bot like behavior right it is saying yeah. mm-hmm. i am uh, I, I'm going to sell you the Fazrad. And then they have to work out, oh, you're the product. You're the Fazrad. You're the yeah. product. That's right. And then, of course, we get the hint that uh, Fazrads aren't just domestic. They're also military. Oh, it's not a hint. It's said right in the story. There's yeah. military soldier versions. and they're, like It is literally going to replace humans, um, at least men, <laughs> in their places of work. And... Uh, I was listening to Evan, your podcast, and you were like, this is a good thing. I'm like, no, 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 it's not a good thing. I mean, yes, I love that I have a dishwasher and I chain it to my floor and it does my slave labor of cleaning my dishwashers for me, uh, my dishes for me. But um, I don't want it to take over my podcast and I don't want to become friends with my dishwasher (laughs) because it's not a human. It can't care about me. (laughs) It cannot. It's unable to care. Right. Yeah. It's right, like right. being friends with uh, you, you say I'm Facebook friends with 40,000 people. And I'm sorry, you can't be because they're not half of those aren't going to even be people. And you, know, you can't be f- like wouldn't the worst. Uh, I mean, for me, the worst thing that could ever happen to me is I find myself in a friendship with a ro- with a bot on Twitter that likes my <laughs> tweets and says things every once in a while. I get a, like a cryptic you know tweet response and for for years your ego has been growing with this great friend on twitter yeah and uh, <laughs> like it's not like like if it was a if it was an android like you know the kind that you get in uh i don't know yeah uh, blade runner i'm cool with that being my friend because yeah they're emotionally stunted but they 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 have the process of growth right they have the mm-hmm. possibility of growth and and they do care about stuff. They literally can care about stuff, whereas my dishwasher can't, and the, those bots can't. So there's something horribly wonderful about this story's ending that I think Philo K. Dick totally got wrong when when he's saying 
that when he, he revisited. Uh, yeah. yeah, I agree. It, 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 there's a horror ending to this story. I mean, I mean, he's he's gone through this. He's blown up half his ship. He's going to suicide his he's way to Proxmoor. He's abandoned his wife. He's given it all up. He's like, oh, the heck with them. This going to end it all. And what happens? The 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 Fazred manages to get itself out of the wreck, and he's going to have this Fazred bother him all the way to his death. It's a horror ending. It's, it's like dead oh my eye God, lenses God, gaped at him, empty and vacant. It's dead That's eye sorry. lenses gaped at him, empty and vacant. That is the horror of the world, right? And throughout the yeah, story, we so get the good. word um, night and darkness a whole bunch of times. Um, mm, and wind. Yeah, oh, there's that too. Yes, a lot of cold winds. Maybe he it. could get a good night's sleep, right? Um, it's, it, they're not, they're not, it's not just a drive. They're right out in front of you, everywhere, waiting for me all day, all night. Let's go out tonight. He said, that's the, their, no, that's a horror. I don't want to go out tonight. That's my, uh, my birthday, right? <laughs> it's going to be even worse out there, even though she's promising them the sheer dress when it's far away. And like, what does that mean? Think about that. Yeah. When you're far away from it, the wife, you can see her shapely form. When you're up close, uh, y- you you get a glimpse of it, sort of. It's like it things were worse when you get up close. <laughs> like so, strangers are more attracted to your wife than you are. Uh, didn't she say it's translucent when? Yes, it's translucent, but it's close? sheer, which I think means here clear. Right, like it's transparent when it's far away. Isn't that isn't that what it means? Sheer. Whoops. Um. Wait, now I'm not sure. But I thought she she said she was translucent when you're up close. Like I thought it was. Trans, like it's transparent. Uh, yes, translucent when you're up close. But as you get farther away, it becomes sheer. I'll I'll find Does that. That mean the same thing. <laughs> Kinda. I mean, sheer is like a little bit more. Her eyes sparkled with excitement as she hurried into the bedroom. You know the one I mean. When you're up close, it's translucent, but as you get farther off, it becomes more and more sheer until you can see it, right? That's weird. It's got to be that, um, like, this is, how, isn't that opposite? Wouldn't you, like, if it's you're going out to dinner with your wife, everyone else can see she's naked, but you can't? That is weird. Well, yeah, I think you might. Have... When married couples go on dates, why, why, why dress up at all? If not, yeah, some form of conspicuous consumption. That's a good point, and uh, uh, certainly that's that's also going on in the story. But I want to, I want to see what you said, Evan. Uh, uh, sorry, I, I was listening to your podcast, and I'm like, no, I disagree. I don't think the ending should yeah. be well, robot. Well, what do you think now? No, I think you're what you're saying. You're right about the story, and that's more me, kind of coming in, and kind of in my heart, I'm, I'm understand the story quite well. And in fact, this it, it's all about gender, really, in a lot of ways. The mm-hmm. story, there's like the whole end of the story. Yeah, it's a horror, but it's also him trying to prove his masculinity to this robot the whole time. Yes, and that's why he's driving. Yeah. Yeah. He's driving when it's broken. And at one point he says, like, you can pay on installments. And he's like, no, I always pay cash. That's right. I'm not going to, you know, go to a and, bank. And the fact that it's his birthday and the, that he's becoming middle-aged, you know, he's sort of, he can't kid himself about how old he is anymore. Um, he's being, it's a replace, it's, he's worried about being replaced. Yeah, I think a lot of people worry about 
being replaced. And I, I'm not sure this is like all this talk about the automation and what it's going to mean for jobs in the future. And, you know, the Trump voters kind of part of that, too, this fear of being replaced. And, yeah, we have a social s- structure and an economic system that values people based on what the market says is productive labor, right? And what they remunerate people for in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. So that's the reality. So I understand people's anxiety about that. But, at, at, you know, I, I'm kind of with Marx on this, that industry and technology automation has the potential to liberate us to be, what, how did he say it, a philosopher in the morning, fisherman in the mm-hmm. afternoon, mm-hmm. you know, on and on like that. And I don't think most of us can't imagine what we can make out of our life if it wasn't tied to the market in a way. Yeah. And, th- and there, there's my ambivalence about the story because on the one hand, this is, it's hard to separate the two. And I think the story does a good job of showing the connection between the kind of the market economy and the buying and selling and this, what I think ultimately is a liberatory, liberatory technologies that can abolish work. Yep. I mean, I come at it more from as a labor historian who who spent you know spent time in factories and and know what it's like. And I you know I know what it's like to have a father who, for you know thirty five years comes comes home exhausted mm-hmm. from the factory. What that does to someone over over the years. So it's that that's where I see technology as you know a, automation as a liberatory thing. Yeah, we have to get the social system and and how we distribute resources figured out because that's another side i think of the advertising is the consumption side of it yeah uh, you're Um, you're not wrong i mean i think you're actually you you are right but in this in the case of the story the ending it should not be changed to they become friends because that undermines the whole purpose of this particular story that he's been building you would have to totally rewrite the story Right. So, mm-hmm. so that, that. Yeah, I agree. That, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, like that he tinkers with the robot and gives it the ability to ch- like there are moments in the story where other robots, they pause and then they chase after someone else, you know, who's on the street. This is actually a, a very, very good story for looking at our reality with with the way advertising works today with the Internet, because bots are much. I mean, I, I don't think I don't think it's likely that we're going to actually have rad door-to-door salesmen coming and knocking on our doors because um, I think they'll sell themselves, right? <laughs> there, there's no... Uh, literally, people will be lining up at the Apple store for them rather than uh, them having to come to us. That door-to-door salesman technique has sort of been supplanted in recent... Mem- you know, there aren't a lot of door-to-door sales anymore. Yeah. Uh, because the, there are much better techniques, but but the product is actually a, is a good one if you can tone down the mouth, right? It's yeah. using the uh, it's using the the worst kind of um, sales and effective. I mean that's the thing is is in working in a sales you know room with a whole bunch of people mm-hmm. who are really good at selling and uh, like I could see that the people who are really good at selling every night they get the same you know high number of sales. It has that everyone's using the same script. Everyone's selling the same product. Has nothing to do with, you know, the product we're selling because we're all selling the same product. And consistently, you get a certain number of people who are really good at it. 
And and what they're able to do, unlike like the robot, literally is programmed to do that, but it cannot be talked out of it. And that feeling of you know being able to unable to unable to defend yourself against the salesperson, we've all had that, right? Um, mm -hmm. Or at least had the confrontation. Uh, now, as an adult, I I am never sold on anything I ever don't want to buy, right? But as a kid, sometimes you're you fall into traps and you have to learn these skills yeah. and advertising is something that get uh, can get behind you uh, underneath you and past you but the uh the salesperson yeah. it, it's not it's it's a person sorry i had this exact yeah. experience like when i went to the um <clears throat> la festival of books yesterday mm -hmm. I, when I was walking down the stalls, I, I tweeted about it as well that I was trying to. I just want to look in the stalls and see what they've got yep. and think if it's interesting to me as a person. Like it's my decision, and it was like a barrage of exactly these bots. It's people on scripts and they just like shout out their questions at you. And I'm kind of like you, Jesse. Like I'm kind of like easily like, like influenced or I feel like compassion for people, so I kind of want to respond. But I know if I aren't, yeah, you'd so be a terrible like, salesperson as well. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. And so it was all these like bizarre questions like, hi, do you like books? And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, that's not even, are you a robot? Like, do you even understand? I'm at a book fair. And then they're like, hi, do you like animals? And you, I'm like, what can I, I can't say no. <laughs> I hate them. Yes, <laughs> you know, so I, I like to eat them yeah. to punish them. <laughs> like, yeah, but I'm just, it's like so awkward. And I felt like I was just talking to a bunch of faz rides and they're all just like standing there like, hi, do, do you know how many fish are in this jar? And I'm like, no, I'm just going to keep walking. Like, And I was exhausted by an hour of that. I was like, I'm not going to look at a single other store. This wow. is exhausting. Yeah, that would just turn me off. Like, the heck with this book fair. I'll go hiking the mountains instead. I'll go on Amazon and buy a book. <laughs> like, well, I'll go on Amazon and buy you know, the books I want without people trying to push them out. Yeah. Me. You know, as they do at the consumer electronics shows. I haven't been, but I've seen the, the you know videos. Um, they have what's called booth babes. So they're trying to sell you know a right. video card or yep. something. And because the, there's a whole bunch of guys who all you know work in the industry for you know, reviewing video cards or whatever it is. They just have, it's, it's the same at the auto show. They used to do that too. I don't yeah. know. Uh, yeah. The, the mid America truck show I went to a few years ago for work, <laughs> there was, there were booth babes in one of the booths. It's like, I mean, they were pretty, they were young, but what do they have to do with actual trucks or truck parts? <laughs> Nothing. Zero. <laughs> this is where, what you were saying, uh, Jesse, about Twitter not being real. That's exactly what I mean. If someone want, if someone has like a um, a reason to be talking to you like that, they're trying to sell something. Like the world is not real at all. Mm -hmm. Like these babes don't care about you. These people don't really care whether you like animals or not. Like, it's but the difference all fake. is, you know, like if you caught a booth babe on her on her lunch break or whatever. Um, right when she's not on script. Yeah, when she's not on <laughs> script, or any of those people who are you know selling the fish fish in the tank to get you to buy their yeah. book. Um, they they're people and they can turn it off. Yeah. A lot of them, right? Yeah, I'm, that's uh, true. And 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 the robot couldn't script. ever turn it off. And he's so he's maximizing that in the like. There's never a point in the story where the Fazrad says, "Look, you know, uh, once you buy me, everything will be cool, and I'll I'll shut up." Like if it, if it had done that, everyone would have been happy. I mean, the wife was pretty much okay with the idea of the Fazrad, right? And that, mm -hmm. maybe that's why he rejects her. <laughs> it flies off alone to the destiny. I mean, that's the other thing. I, I just think about how often it is that Philip K. Dick talks about driving 
and obviously, Evan, you covered a bunch of his stories recently. How uh, commuting is a whole thing that shows up again and again. But yeah, in the novels, just too, the literal process of driving down the road shows up in everything. Remember that we did that uh, not uh, mainstream novel, right? What's it called? Oh, puttering about puttering, in a small land. Puttering about in a small yeah. land. The the stress and the fear of driving down the road. Um, and just the process of enjoying nature. Look, there's some beautiful cedars over there, right? And the valley and the sunset and all that's nice. But there's also a massive amount of stress. And uh, obviously this is a real thing. When I drive down the road, I, I think I'm constantly going to hit somebody. Somebody's going to jump out from behind that car <laughs> and I'm going to hit them. And now I'm going to feel terrible because I've murdered somebody, right? But, of course... I don't get into accidents, generally. <laughs> I haven't had one since I was a kid. Um, I, it's because I, I'm the most fearful driver on the road that I never, you know, smash into anything anymore, I think. But the the idea of, of just why would you write about something so mundane as driving down the road? He has to. He has to, because it for him it's very important. As a, it's like mm-hmm. nobody else cares about. Notice how many times coffee and mashed peas or mashed potatoes and peas <laughs> yeah. show up in the store. For some reason, you know, he got served a lot of mashed peas and and uh, <laughs> coffee, <laughs> and he's like this. He's writing exactly what he's thinking about all the time. <laughs> it's like big boobs, uh, <laughs> advertising, commuting. I, it's, it's like direct uh, tele, one of the one of the uh, things for sale in this story is a device that makes you read your boss's mind so you know exactly what he wants right <laughs> it's it's telepath it's telepathy that's why reading Philip K Dick is so great is you you can see it it's all right there on the page you know what he's thinking yeah I couldn't read especially the opening of this the the commute I just couldn't see that scene without Philip K. Dick sitting behind that uh, that dashboard. <laughs> like, oh man, it's millions of miles to Earth, and I'm stuck in the traffic. All I mean, people honking and gesturing. <laughs> I, I, I mean, in 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 the real world, in real life, that's not how commuting across the solar system would work. But yet, <laughs> this is so comedy, right? Honking horns. How would you even hear them? You have to. You, <laughs> yeah. have, you have to have like going at like six hundred million miles or sixty million miles an hour or something. <laughs> yeah, it, so. it reminds me of the Jetsons, really. It is. It is. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it, yeah this I, would I be mean, much it, better. They should have done it as a Jetsons adaptation. Really? Yes. A cartoon that would work. That would have worked totally because yeah. this is a cartoon. Mm-hmm. It, it is. It is uh, as close to pure comedy as uh, he. You know, he's done some uh, some short stories, the Doc Labyrinth stories, the. The what's the two ones called? Uh, Short Happy Life of the Brown Oxford, um, mm-hmm. where you've got a, yeah, sho- a couple of shoes that uh, come to life and go off and make little baby shoes or something. <laughs> it's a great story. It's a comedy, but this is this is as close to pure comedy as he's ever done, I think. Yeah, so funny. Yeah. I, I I had uh, well, speaking about the commute. Go for it. He does talk about here the the self driving car is is here. Yeah. Yes. What's it called? It has a really great name. After the 50 ship pileup, how that happens in space, I don't know. But drivers, <laughs> thousands of unnecessary deaths each year from interplanetary driving. Hypnomotor control from an expert source point ensures your safety. Surrender your body and save your life. 
Yeah, surrender. That's the solution to the commute, right? It's a self-driving car. So, again, the fast ride can save us. What a great name, too. I think we should call self-driving cars uh, hypno-motor control from now on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you should give that up to Elon Musk. He'll buy the idea. There's something I I just want to throw out there about advertising. Mm -hmm. It seems we all agree not to like it very much. I don't want to talk about, not so much the salesperson, but just advertising as a whole. It's hard for me not to see that advertising has performed a a fairly crucial function in democracies. And I don't know, this is not on Dick's mind at all, but it's sort of on my mind. And that is inexpensive or or free media. And that it's, it seems fairly crucial, I think, to, you know, maybe now with the Internet, it's it kind of a whole different game. But, you know, back in the times of television and radio, that was how the media was distributed and paid for, was through advertisement. Mm. And yeah. people wouldn't have had access to, to news they wouldn't have been able to check in on Walter Cronkite and his views on the Vietnam War if not for advertising. So as much as we can talk about his ideological problems and, and how it takes away our autonomy and you know the whole buyer-seller relationship and all flawed that is, it seems there's a function for advertising and democracy until we get to some other way of ensuring media uh, is distributed to people. That's true. And I think my problem with it is not advertising per se it's how it's done like how it talks down to people and how relentless and intrusive it is um because there's a there's a radio station in new zealand called bfm and they do every time a company wants to advertise with them they write their own ad Mm. they have their own people and they act it out and it's very funny and it doesn't talk down to you and it's a little piece of art and their ads are enjoyable you know they become kind of memes and if advertising was like that and more kind of personable and not so relentless, it wouldn't be anywhere near as bad, and I'd totally accept it. There, there's a kind of ad that I always watched and I always liked, and that's uh, trailers for movies, right? I, I want to know what movies are coming out. I yeah. want to see what, what's it out. And uh, although I'm not a fan of myself of the, the process, I, I have seen them, and I don't hate them so much. When, when, when the money is really going to be expensive, and they really need to make sure that the ad's going to not fuck up, then they actually can make ads that are very good. Uh, all the all the uh, Super Bowl ads, Super Bowl ads, right, yeah. are I mean, that kind of situation where you have to get the best advertising guy that you can to write something that people won't hate and that does the job that you want it to do. The problem is, is um, there's there's more than one kind of like I, I had this problem as a kid. You know, um, I hated these ads. I didn't understand why everybody else wasn't obsessed with the things that I was. You know, I get this device that allows me to record things all on multiple channels on television so I could watch all the shows that I wanted to watch without having to have ads, right? Uh, uh, no one else basically used their VCR like I I did or I had two VCRs going at the same time so they could record multiple channels or anything like that, right? Um, but then uh, in high school, somehow... I came across a copy of Adbusters magazine. You guys know this magazine? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I know. So Adbusters is uh, they they were kind of behind the Occupy Wall Street um, as an idea, 
at the beginning, and they're, they basically are deconstructing and, and attacking advertising where it hurts. Um, obviously not well known. <laughs> it's not even. I don't even know if the magazine's around anymore. But it was a literal physical magazine that would was as slick as the other magazines, but was about advertising. And and when I saw that, I'm like, yes, this exactly. <laughs> Why isn't everybody obsessed with this magazine? Because it real. Uh, mm. The thing is, is I would write essays in high school, but you know, you have to write some essay. I would choose topics like. Uh, how to fix advertising. <laughs> One of them is like, okay, well, advertising is actually a good thing because you can get information to people who need it about products that actually will help them and make their lives better. But there are other kinds of ads that are not good. Um, and those are ones like the Tide ads, right? So the way Tide did, uh, you guys probably saw the last Super Bowl commercial somehow because even if you don't watch the Super Bowl, it got out there as a meme. Uh, Tide Pods or something, right? Don't eat the Tide Pods or something like that. I, I don't know. Maybe it was eat the Tide Pods. doesn't matter. The important part <laughs> don't is Don't eat the Tide Pods, Jesse. Oh, sorry? Don't eat the Tide Pods, uh, no, Jesse. Gonna... <laughs> well, maybe maybe that was an after ad, people making fun of the Tide Pod of being eaten. or Who knows what it is? The important part was Tide is actually a terrible product. It's a, it's It fucks up your clothing, makes you stink. Um but most people don't have a problem with it. They think it smells good. Um, but it, like I could, when I have a student who's washed and tied, I have to have a fan going, blowing towards me, past them, so that I'm downwind or upwind of them. It's really bad for me, anyways, and a lot of people I know. You have, you, yeah, you have a sensitivity to the chemicals. Extreme, extreme sensitivity. But the pro, the product hasn't, you know, improved any in the last 50 years. They just changed it, right? Like. I, I don't know. Maybe new Coke is better than old Coke. I don't know. Uh, but essentially, Coke is Coke. The way Coke dominates is not by having a better tasting fl- flavor than everything else. I mean, it, maybe you like it over Pepsi, but the fact that we're even having that conversation is ridiculous, right? That Pepsi and Coke. Yeah. Who's setting the agenda? So Pepsi and Coke advertise their way to success by just continuously advertising. And that is horrible. It's horrible. It, it it's mind control and it works. I see the people in the in the grocery store, sort of mindlessly picking up a can of uh, or a bottle of Coke when there's a virtually identical one that's like two dollars cheaper, right right beside it, right. And the I I know I can't say that they're they're doing it mindlessly because maybe they really enjoy the flavor of coke versus that and they don't and they have a lot more money than me that's how i usually explain things when my friend says i don't understand these people i say you just have to remember we're poor <laughs> everyone else is rich everyone else is rich and then <laughs> and then i and then we we find some homeless person and and the homeless person asks him from my friend for money and then my friend says how come your phone is nicer than mine <laughs> you know, this is my flip phone <laughs> because because it it's pervasive and it gets really in into advertising is so powerful that you cannot understate how powerful it is it really moves product it really moves product and yeah uh, oh, I, I totally agree with you my, my defense is not that they sell good products or or that there's ethical consumption out there that is even a possibility my defense is that it paid for media that 
wasn't that people wouldn't have had access to otherwise. I mean, the yeah. ads literally paid for television and news, and which is awesome. And I think that's, that's, a, that's a critical function for democracy is that people are informed, and newspapers are affordable because of ads. <laughs> you know, people in the '60s in the North learned about the civil rights movement by watching TV, and that was paid for by advertisements. It was paid for by the automakers and others. Actually, that's not quite true. The, the, the news back then in the, you know, the sixties, right. That was not paid for mm -hmm. by advertising. It was paid for as a subsidy for the fact that they were supposed to have news on their channel for having the broadcast. Right. So the other stuff paid subsidized the news right now is, and why news is so shitty now, uh, from mm -hmm. newspapers, especially, and from television in general, uh, CNNs, you know, they don't seem to have any reporters outside of their uh, studios anymore. Um, the the reason it's so shitty is because they are trying to make it as a, a sales saleable product, and their product is mm -hmm. fear, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And and passing the buck of hate. Who who's to hate this week? Who who can we destroy this week? Um, yep. So it's not like news was never. Uh, was ever perfect, anything like that. But you you would have political parties paying for newspapers, right? And the subscribership, you know, now free newspapers are much more common, um, and subscribership would pay for a lot of stuff. There are there were magazines that um, had no ads, and CBC and BBC uh, had. You know, CBC Radio has no ads, and that's paid for. Uh, it's not... In fact, one of the best shows on CBC Radio has been, for like the last 20 years, a show about advertising. Uh, <laughs> which is really weird that I really enjoy a show about advertising on a on an ad-free radio network, right? It's now available as a podcast. It's called Age of Persuasion, I think is what it's called right now. They, the, like every, any good uh, advertising product, they change the name every few years of the show. It's the same show, same host. But he changes the name of the show, and he talks about the history yeah, of that's advertising. A, yeah, that's a, that's an advertising tech thing. You've all seen Network, right? The, yep. The movie. Yeah. Mm, can't remember. Uh, I mean, because that that movie, I mean, um, the through line of the plot is the 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 company that owns the uh, the TV the TV station wants the news to be profitable, and so as a result, we wind up with this crazy tabloid-like news with uh, Howard Beale as the mad prophet of the airwaves. And and they're, they're all concerned about just trying to make the make the news program profitable and to make the network profitable as well. I haven't as, seen this show, but I do live in that world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this movie's from the <laughs> 1970s. And it, it presses wow, cool. But the end, the end of, I'm going to spoil the end of this movie, but you should watch it anyway. Everyone should watch Network, watch Network. So at the end, Howard Beale dies he gets shot and the the movie takes us out on i mean they talk about this and then we start seeing the four screens and it just like it just goes into a monologue of advertising and then the movie ends huh. so yeah yeah it, it ties in the whole news and advertising and what drives what's really driving uh profit and product and yeah There's and the public it's jimmy Dore. they certainly episodes. should be coupled the media and and advertising I think that's a solution. Jimmy Dore uh, had a show uh, just a couple days ago where he he had uh, a video of Ed Schultz, who used to work for CNN. Oh, no, it was MSNBC. Um, I think it was MSNBC. Um, who, he works for RT America now, right? Um, and he talked about uh, the basically uh, how he got fired from 
his uh, network TV show. And it was, he was uh, in the backyard uh, about to cover Bernie Sanders being uh, elected uh, or going to run for office, you know, as president. Um, he's got all the crew there and then said, no, you're not covering. He got a phone call from the head of the network. You're not covering that. You're going to go down to Texas and you're going to cover something they, they had already covered a week or so before. Uh, because, not because, you know, it's advertisers don't like it. It's because that company that it owns that network owns a ton of stuff and they like the way things are. They're, they're making the money. We like, we got the system all set up just the way we don't need it to be shaken up, right? So the fact that that six media companies own all of everything in the United States is the issue that makes the news so shitty, right? The, the reason that uh, Jimmy Dore's show can, as he says, can be the best news show on, on YouTube is all he has to do is tell the truth about things and people suddenly like oh my god this is fascinating um because they're they, it's like adding oxygen to an uh uh deoxygenated environment anaerobic environment we we uh we can do things without advertising but when when advertising is in control things are not good um, I, yeah, I, 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 I hope you, you guys all watched the, the pirated version of, of the movie. We, yes. uh, the, uh, did, did you notice the, the, the breaks where the ads would have been? Um, it, I, mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't think that those were natural breaks that improved the storytelling. Like, I'm, I'm, I appreciate that whoever kindly out of the goodness of their anonymous hearts, put that video together um, deleted all the ads, and they always do that. There's, uh, there's only been one torrent I've ever seen that had any ads in it. Um, but they always co- very kindly delete those things because ultimately the, everyone knows that these these products are not going to help us do our lives better. <laughs> they are controlling us, and when we we do need advertising, and we need uh, especially for political stuff. It's important that people be able to get the word out. Right. And maybe not um, uh, completely the way we did things before when there was only, you know, four, three broadcast channels or four broadcast channels. Um, Things had to run that way, but we don't actually have to. I've never asked for ads on on this podcast. It's run 400 and almost 470 episodes or something. Uh, Only time I've ever had ads is when. People said, uh, "Do you want to take an ad?" I'm like, oh, "Okay, sure. I guess it's it's appropriate. It's related. It's about po- a podcatcher or an audiobook. It makes sense to me." And every time I've looked into doing ads for this, you know, it's a fairly popular podcast. I think with the number of downloads, anyways, I think it's fairly popular. Um, when I looked into it, they they wanted to sell products like vodka. Which I don't drink. <laughs> I'm like I don't think I'm, I don't I don't do we, do, do we have to do pod product places like I really had this X Y Z vodka while I was watching sales pitch like what or we should have put an ad for like some kind of like gas remedy on this or something <laughs> <laughs> digestive remedy yeah gas X <laughs> yeah the, the, or or boob extender or whatever it is that 
<laughs> Philip, <laughs> Philip K. Dick think would be better. Um, whatever he got to for whatever makes his wife's breasts um, quiver. Were they? Yes, quiver? they were literally this quivering book. in this one. <laughs> oh, TKD never changed. That, uh, he's doing that for fun. I think that's a comedy piece. He also enjoys it. Yeah. He also yeah, enjoys it. I think so. Um, uh, also that that weird line by the robot was really funny as well. Like something about like your wife is sexually attractive, but not so intellectual. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. Sexism there's so on display, Bill. So many funny things. Sally swept breathlessly into the living room, her breasts quivering with excitement. <laughs> <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> Bill, you were married a couple of times. How does this, how do you, you know this doesn't work this way? <laughs> oh my. That's too good. Oh boy. But I agree with, uh, I'm with Evan. I will take the Fazrads. I'll also take the advertising, but my, I just like, just don't be a dick. Like, don't be a dick, Fazrad. Don't be a dick advertising. It's hard. Don't be intrusive. It's hard. I'm well, I don't see how you not you don't you don't uh, get it that way, given the current the world we live in. Yeah, exactly. The problem. I, so I, 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 that's the thing with yeah. like yeah. with I would much prefer some type of public funding for media that would uh, solve this problem, but mm-hmm. it's we're seem pretty far from that. Yeah, in the, in the states, it's. Uh, even even uh, PBS and NPR have been captured. It's it's crazy. Um, yeah. You you can't you can't feel it until you like look at it from the outside. I don't think is what uh, Paul. Maybe maybe you can feel. It. I don't know. I, I. But as soon as you like, um, as soon as you step out of propaganda and you start a, like, <laughs> you you know what not propaganda is. As soon as you step out of it, like yeah. people, um. People take it in and they repeat it back. It's crazy. It's crazy how powerful advertising is. I I was always wondering about this when I was in high school and writing these essays, reading Adbusters. I'm like, is this really a big deal? Because <laughs> it doesn't affect me. I just ignore it, right? And I think that's yeah, how everybody thinks. You're not typical. Yeah, but I think that's how everybody thinks. I think that they don't think they're affected by advertising. And but it's also like Philip K. Dick shows in this story, like how it's so tailored to your inadequacies or your insecurities. Yeah, that's that's like, exactly well, going with the Google and why it's so re- relevant. Right? When you, so I I got a flyer in the mail for a company called Structube, which is the weirdest name, right? Structube, S T R U C T, tube. And I'm like, what the hell's this? But it looked like sort of IKEA, sort of like a knockoff IKEA. Well, it turns out that there is this company in Quebec that is now going national, and they are sort of online furniture company, and they have physical stores. So I looked it up, right? I looked it up one time to find out what the hell, why is it called Structube? Well, it turns out that they 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 started making furniture out of structure, structural tubing or something at first, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now their products don't look like that, but they've kept the name. Now, every time a YouTube video comes up on my TV, which doesn't have an ad blocker on it, it's for Structube. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> uh, they think I want to buy their products. Yep. And it's the same ad over and over oh. and over again because I uh, I don't type in, I guess, enough stuff yep. that normally would get a- attention. But that is the bot. That is literally the bots. So that those points in the story where a robot is following some lady and then realizes that she's not going to sell as possibly well as this other person that's passing by, the robot turns 
and goes after her, mm-hmm. right? That they, because they are literally robots rather than androids and have their own minds, um, or you know, say, why am I doing this job? I'm quitting. <laughs> the Fazrad can never quit. Um, that is the reality. That is the horror of of modern advertising, as opposed to sort of the generic shitty advertising. You, when, you're, right. when you're watching a, a TV show, uh, you know, and they sell you yep. products that could be for that demographic, you're you're just one of a class, right? Uh, women mm-hmm. like this show, therefore, you'll see a lot of tampon ads or nail polish ads or whatever it is, uh, uh, yeah, Maybelline ads, right? all the mm-hmm. all the products. Now it's very targeted and specifically targeted, and that is what I think all those ads in the car are. I mean, Philip K. Dick wrote them for himself. Those are the ones that affected him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm surprised we've gotten this far without mentioning the movie Minority Report. Yep. It's uh, it's definitely in there. Because, I yeah, mean, they got the, that right. Yeah, because the protagonist with his changed eyes goes into the clothing shop and and and, and, and this hologram ad starts talking about his previous purchases. It's like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. So, yes, it's like every everything you see is like... in you. It, <laughs> Yeah, it, it, yeah, you get basically you have a permanent cookie, and I've had the same effect as you, Jesse. Like I, I click on something, and now, from weeks afterwards, I get ads for the same thing. It's like, wait, what? I really like, like on Facebook. Every time I go to Facebook, I get ads for Pure New Zealand. It's like, <laughs> it's been a year since I've been to New Zealand. I. Not probably going back for another year. Stop bothering me and tempting me like this. But yeah. The great thing is, like, because I'm an editor and I Google so many things all day that are totally unrelated to me, like, my the, my targeting is, like, completely off. Like, I have to, like, I'm Googling, like, murder weapons from <laughs> to, like, IVF stuff to, like, you know, things that have nothing to do with my life right now. And, like, I think Google has no idea what I'm, what I am. <laughs> yeah, and it can be just, like, it, it can be target, they can target now so narrowly, right, that, Mm-hmm. That they can, I mean, that's what the 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 real scandal of that uh, thirteen Twitter trolls who uh, who swung the uh, election that uh, the six billion dollars in free advertising for Trump mm-hmm. didn't do. Uh, <laughs> um, the the real story on that is that the the robots are are just mining people for 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 money from other advertisers, right? That's the whole thing. Is is that Online advertising is so bot-enabled. Bot when we think about how robots are, were going to save the world, like in this story, um, if you look at it from the positive thing, robots are going to save the world uh, because everyone's going to have one and it's going to help them out, right? But actually, mm-hmm. the way robots are running our world is no regular people own robots. I don't know any... I mean, I've got a dishwasher chained to my kitchen floor, but that has... That's you know it's immobile. Chains to your floor. <laughs> in case it gets away, you know. Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna let it run free. Sounds like a hostage situation. Yeah, it's a it's a slave, right? It, the the, yeah. the the robot slave in my kitchen is is not the kind that we we envisioned. <laughs> they had them in the 50s, yeah. right? Um, but the the ones that really are doing all the work and and creating value of labor, th- you know, the labor theory going with Marks um, is uh, are, are working for corporations, right? They're working for.
for institutions. They are not working for individuals. So you can't you can't extract the value of your robot's labor if you don't own that robot. And none of us own. I mean, the closest we can come is like a Roomba, right? Really, you you might say my drone yeah, does is work it for me. Vacuum but thing, yeah, right? yeah, it runs around your floor and cleans up your your dust, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's yeah, it's cute. It's it's great, but you notice nobody's hiring them out to their neighbors to, you know, they don't, Roombas don't go door to door saying, hi, I, I'm offering a service today for $2, I will, right? Uh, that'd be cool. Maybe, maybe they, maybe they want to, but people have them chained to the floor so they can't get out. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, right. That why, the solution why, is. What are you saying, Evan? Well, I'm thinking of Jack London again. Yep. The Iron Heel. Yep. And he has a similar dilemma where he's approached by the small grocers, I think it is. And they say, we want to help the socialists in your whatever you're doing because we hate the big Walmart, I, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. The oligarchs come, come in. And the hero of that novel was an Everhart, whatever. Mm-hmm. He replies, you're just Luddites. That the solution isn't to go back to the time before this, it's to actually seize the combination. And he's talking about combination, not automation, but we can kind of just replace it. The, yeah, private hands own the robots and control the how automation will be used in socially beneficial ways or not. And I think to some degree, it's, it has to be a type of socialism almost to solve this problem. Yep. The people have to control the robots. That's what it comes down mm-hmm. to. Yep. For me. Yep. I I don't know how we're gonna get there. Um, I have a feeling it's not gonna be easy. Mm. What do What do you think? Yeah, I guess the ninety heel. It's like two hundred years in the future, right? What do you guys think years? about this this line? This is one of the ads that I think was kind of interesting. Trans solar product greets you. An immense voice boomed in his ears. Morris groaned and hunched down. There's a lot of hunching going on in this story. Down in his seat. He was getting near Terra. The barrage was increasing. Is your tension index pushed over the safety margin by the origin ordinary frustrations of the day? Then you need id persona unit. So small it can be worn behind the ear, close to the front door. I was thinking, is that an ad blocker? <laughs> like an id persona unit. Or is that uh, like a putting on a... I doubt it, but that'd be great. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it is an ad blocker. I think it's a way of, like, a, you put this on, and now you want things, and those things aren't stressful. Is that yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. Like anti-anxiety. Yeah, I, I mean, there's no real... There's no drugs in this story except for a cigarette. Um, and coffee. So I wonder if this coffee. is... And, and coffee. And coffee. So I wonder if it's like... like it's a technological equivalent of a drug to so you don't these drugs don't these ads don't bother you. Yeah, the mood organ from uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. Right? Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 hmm. I, I I think uh, you know if he had had if he had had that we wouldn't have this story. If if he was inured like his wife and his neighbors to the ads all around them, um, that. We wouldn't have a lot of PKT stuff. Exactly. His 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 stressing out about things that are uh, sort of un, uninteresting annoyances to other people is what makes his stories so weird and so different from. I mean, what's so funny is that there, it's a science fiction comedy, um, but it's 
unlike I don't know anybody who treats things like like this exactly. The cl- closest that we can get is like uh, is um, Ray Nelson, right? With his uh, glasses, to, once you put them on, you see the world for how it is. Mm. Yeah, I mean, they lived. That's about it. That's that's as close. Um, Sheckley has the same similar jokes and stuff, um, but he's he's doing a different thing. Everybody's different from this weird, stressed out, uh, paranoid. <laughs> is this a moral judgment then that Dick is making? I think about, it is. I think it is. Like, don't take the soma. You shouldn't take the soma. You should kind of fight suffer against it. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't know if I agree with him on this. I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know what. I mean. Obviously, we can't all do what he did, but there are people who, you know, Brian Alexander, he's a homesteader. He's kind of disconnected, but he's also, you know, traveling on air. He's a jet setter at the same time, right? So it, there's no easy navigation. You, How can you live without the internet now and call your life a life? It's a, It'd be like going back 100 years. And mm-hmm. uh, just the very fact that now, when when I was a kid, the the I the dream of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy that you would have a book that could tell you everything, right about everything. Um, now that's a daily reality. I have it in my pocket. I I can go anywhere and get Wikipedia out. It's weird, and I feel like for me, like the novelty still hasn't worn no, off. No, of I don't like, think I it. Still, it's so powerful. I'm delighted every time I can do it. I'm like, woohoo! But I noticed, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I noticed that on my phone when I'm walking now, or even at home when I'm like, I'll type in something into Google to get a vocab word, and one of the techniques I used to work, use was I just type in the vocab word for a student and hit enter, and then images, right? on Google, and it'll come uh-huh. up with something that's completely unrelated to the thing I was hoping for, because it's somebody's name, or a game character's name, or a product that's, you know, in the news, like, when I went to Google this morning, uh, it says Vern Troyer, because uh, Vern Troyer's trending or something. What? Yeah. How, uh, w- one of the things that's happening is that we're becoming subject using Google, we're becoming subject to what Google wants us to search for, right? And yeah. and that is, uh, like, I, to, how hard is it to to get the right word to come? Like, it used to be easy. It would just come up, right? And now we're we're getting shaped. Our our focus and interests are becoming shaped because the, it's anticip- the anticipating is is making things harder, not easier. Yeah. Hmm. We we got a little off track, but I think this is a very good story. Yeah, it's so good. It, I I mean I mean the the TV show was way off base, except maybe a little bit thematically. But the but the but the uh, the story itself is very very meaty. It's 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 cla- it's classic full dick that you keep searching and finding resonance in, and possibly even more resonance in the fifties than it is now than in the 50s because we're so bombarded by advertising uh, did you guys notice the two uh illustrations by luton in the original pdf i made from the future science fiction oh yeah so the i just saw the one okay so mm. on page the 71 com- there's a, a giant woman in space right uh mm-hmm. with a come here so beckoning with her finger as a rocket flies by uh the earth um and that that is i think a pretty good representative of the advertising that's going on, and and also the kind you see in uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, 
right? With the giant yeah, lady yeah. selling whatever product that is. That's that's pretty good. And then off a couple pages down, um, we've got. Oh wait, that's Joy selling herself. So it's like yeah, that is Joy who's selling herself. Yeah, it is. The Fazrad. The Fazrad. Um, <laughs> not exactly as described. But notice the two, the the fingers, right? Uh, one's, you're going to buy me, is what the, and it's giant, right? It's huge. It's powerful. It's a threat. And and this stubborn looking dude, like, no, he's got his arms folded. This is actually fairly good representation of what's going on in the story, even if the, the details, like, look at that elbow. That's not a very good, doesn't look very strong. But uh, the joint there, but. But the, I think it's a it's a pretty good representative of what's going on in the story. I think they're kind of great great illustrations, both of them. Mm-hmm. I, I always think of how what what other people interpret. Why well, that's why I like the adaptations, the audio drama, the the TV, the uh, illustrations. Some artist other than the guy who wrote the story. Um, put in what do yeah. they choose to put in is what they're seeing in it. Yeah, it's something they actually read the story and just didn't like say go off the title. Yeah, I've seen some Philip Dick covers that they obviously didn't read. The Eye in the Sky is a good example. Uh, well, I, but I, I, I think was it Solar Lottery that the cover was was commissioned and then uh, because that's the first Ace. Uh, Right, I think mm-hmm. I think the cover was commissioned, and then he chose that cover to write a story around. Right, sometimes it goes the other way. No, 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 no it's the zap gun. Is it the zap gun? Okay. Yeah, the zap gun. Yeah, he saw he saw the. It might be both. It story. might be both. Um, I yeah maybe it's um, it, images are really powerful, and he's really good. The number of times it comes up in this story, of the darkness. Um, of the world. Mm. In the evening darkness, the robot was silent, an unmoving figure. A cold wind blew around it and into the house. Uh, the white cloud turned to an ugly blue-black. The room faded into ominous darkness. He closed the f- door and hurried down the steps into the darkness. Cold night wind slashed at him as he approached the parking lot. And the, and the main character is always... He's pathetic. He's... His... Um, He's fiddling with his shoelaces, sort of uselessly, and and there are individual mm-hmm. lines. He's helpless. Yeah, there are individual lines throughout the story that you can see what inspired a little scene or scenelet in in that that TV adaptation. So there, remember in the TV adaptation of Crazy Crazy Diamond, they the food is always expiring. Yeah. Right, and they they try and plant their own food, and it sort of works out, but it's illegal. It says. Here's in the story. You'll feel better after you've turned responsibility over to me. Not just not just the jobs, but responsibility. Responsibility, yeah. It, that's it explained. It threw out some old soup Sally had been saving. Danger of botulism, it told him. Your wife is sexu- sexually attractive, but not capable of a high order of intellectual <laughs> She's standing right there. Uh. <laughs> I also read somewhere, I don't know if this is true, but um, with the TV show, I think they not only read the short story, but they also read Philip K. Dick's notes about it. And so the TV show was kind of attempting to give him that ending. Hmm. Uh, like they took the other ending, like what if he befriended this person who shows yeah. up? And yeah, so Sa- this- Sally becomes the, uh, the, 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 
the Fazrat is female, and Sally becomes Ed. At yeah. The end, yeah, yeah, the inversion at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then, then that. But why didn't they? It would have worked better than if they would have af- killed him and got the double indemnity. Yeah. It. it the, the think. Uh, I think well, they suckered. They suckered us into thinking that that's what's going to happen. It goes. Screen goes black. Right. And then we get a yeah, happy d- ending. Sort of. I, they're mm. totally muddled. They didn't know what they're doing. Is really the issue. Yeah. 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 When we the water, I thought, oh, yep. This is this is this whole ending. They've they've done the femme fatale thing, except we're in reverse, and he dies. But no, he washes up on the beach with the record. Like what? Yeah, that, that they could have chopped it out after he went into the water. That would have been fine. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. While I was watching it, I was saying to my husband, like I was like, wow, there's like so much in here. I, I'm sure it'll mean something, and it's, <laughs> I feel like it's one of those ones you have to watch it again, yeah. and then it will all. You know, I was like completely prepared to watch it again yeah. to understand what it all is. But then when I actually got to the end, I don't know if I will. Yeah, I'm no, like, I, don't I, think I, it I was meant totally, anything. I was totally with you. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sec time. I'm gonna take notes, and I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like. Uh, I mean, maybe. Yeah. One thing we. Did, if I read a really good review on it that like gave me some insights and I, you know, that got my curiosity back to watch it again. But otherwise, I feel like it just didn't. Yeah, it kind of fell apart. So you know, when we did the show on Annihilation. Um, the movie in the book. Um, uh-huh. uh, one thing we didn't talk about was the tattoo uh, that changes oh, yeah. persons, right? I think that that would make a wonderful discussion, right? If I if I had made more note about how it flows, because I noticed it, I noted it, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I watched it in the theater, and I hadn't had a chance to, you know, track track how it moves from person yeah. to person. Um, that kind of detail there. That movie works, and the reason that movie mm-hmm. works is they actually they had a plan. It's not a perfect plan. It didn't go perfectly. Here, I think they're 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 saying plans are made in the in the process of the editing. It's like I don't think that that always works. I, I know that films can be done that way. That you can, and I I do edit uh, story editing. Uh, you know, I own nonfiction writing. I can I can make something fit together in a wonderful way by editing it, right? But you can't just yeah, do yeah. that um, by doing what they did. <laughs> it does not work. It, it does. It felt like a committee of, like, you know, you could feel the writer's room, like someone being like, what if there's a heist? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. like, just, like, throwing I in. Know, like, and there's a, some, some, remember there's that, I don't know, Robin Hood thieves in the forest thing and one of them yeah. has a tattoo, <laughs> or not a tattoo, some sort of scar on their face, like from the previous episode in the series with the, you know, the red. Um, oh, yeah. I was like, why is that there? No reason. That's why. And then. Yeah, it's just, it's. Yeah. That girl? The, the little girl? Kid? What's the girl doing there? She is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 what the hell are these QCs? What, what the fuck is that talking about? Because that makes no sense. Yeah, it could just be that we're all really dumb and no. there's this amazing. It all comes together. We just can't see it. But I, I literally, it I, I literally was worried I was going senile and that I can't get. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand smart things anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm stuck in the in the 80s. I was like, maybe that's. Someone's it. listening to this, like, oh, you idiots. No. <laughs> I would have liked to have known a lot more about. Just this, how this world they live in works. It doesn't. That's why. Yeah, <laughs> Literally, yeah, like, yeah, it makes no sense. Food. It's it's bullshit. Why is the food rotting? kind of gets the erosion. It seems right. This this idea of entropy. Yeah. It's almost like Ubik. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. 
Sabi Kane in front of people. Yeah. I, maybe they like, just wanted to throw in an Ubik reference. It um, is. They, it, they it's of, but that's right in the story too, with the, the house all being smashed to bits and him fixing it up, right? Um, yeah. 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 Drilling a hole in the floor and and he, saying uh, sometimes thugs or what was he had another word? It wasn't just thugs. There was another one which I thought was interesting. Let me bring it up here. Uh, oh, that uh, yeah. Sometimes a thug or a hood will attack a person at night, right? That takes care of the thug, right? <laughs> okay, so the word hood makes me think of Hoodmaker, and that's how they tie. Like, why? That's that's no way to tie it together. But yeah, I mean, there's lots of things to like in that adaptation. The fact that they've got the twin cars that are presumably electric, right? The Volkswagen Beetles, right? But then if you yeah. if you watch the forest scene, there's tw- there was twin broken down trucks. Like the trucks look like old and broken down but they're broken down and old in the exact same way there was one that mm-hmm. was parked like uh yeah, with its hood cool. up like it's broken permanently and another one right beside it that they were using to drive around but yeah and what's the boss doing and what's like the editing was just terrible <laughs> i don't know like why is the boss there yeah and why is he saying yeah, you, the boss- you stop the crime and then the crime happens it makes no sense yeah, yeah. Was the bo- was this a long con on the part of the boss? Like, oh, like he, he praises him, and but it's just like, does the boss know secretly? And it's just, it's just, just like playing him out. So that's why he shows up later when when they have the handoff. I'm not certain the editing and the script doesn't quite support that either way. I think you're so drugged I up by the drugs you're watching during commercials him. that you're, yeah. you don't notice these things. I don't understand it. What what did you say, Evan? Well, I thought I thought he was stealing them for himself at the end. I guess the QC. I think yeah, that's and, yeah, but the, the fence is dead, so I, I don't know what he's going to do. Apparently, there's only one fence in this. One world. fence in England. Yeah, is it England? But he's dead now. Oh, it's oh, it's clear. It's clearly England with those yeah. with, with 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 those clips and coast. That's the Jurassic Coast for sure. Yeah, but uh, I mean. <laughs> With the Michelin. So can can some of these stories I felt this way with the commuter too. Can they be do they work in England? I haven't been to England. Uh, I don't think Philip K. Dick is very English. He's more French no. than yeah. he is English, that's for sure. But he's nope. no he's suburban. So yeah. he's suburban America. So, suburban yeah. UK is I'm it, when I went to England, uh, and I, I stayed with a cousin and uh you know like just went into their house and not the hotel or the hostel but like little living in their homes and seeing what it's like everything's so fucking small (laughs) like the roads are small you know like you had to duck your head to get into the house um yeah and their little like one foot square garden yeah and it's like and (laughs) and, you know everybody goes down to the pub and it's like well because they don't have a living room right you know american house the typical 1950s American house, there's a bar in the house. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and you go to the bar and it's in your house. You've got a den for the man. and a, right. The, their living room is the pub. That's where they go and they hang out, right? That's, and yeah, they hang I, out I've with their whole family. Yeah. The whole family's down there and they're all drinking together and it's, you know, it's a, a light beer so they don't get too tipsy. And, you know, it, these stories do not work in the UK. I don't, I don't think there's... They're they're so American and they're so West uh, Western America and Midwestern America. They're not 
Um, Florida, they're not, you know, they're, they're very specific. And, you know, the, the number of times, I think, is it, no, I don't think Cedars turns up in this one. But, yo, know, it is. There it is. So, I'll read this. Morris foolishly aimed, uh, yeah, this is, I, I noted this one. Morris fooled aimlessly with, with the shoelace. After a while, he dropped the shoe and tugged at the other one. The house was cold and silent. Outside, the dismal night wind whipped and lashed at the cedars that grew along the side of the building. Sally lay curled up in the radiant lens, or whatever that is, a tanning bed? A cigarette between her lips, enjoying the warmth and half-dozing. Um, it's like a blanket or something? Who, who knows? Um, the number of times cedars turns up in Philip K. Dick's stories, I really noticed it in Upon the Dull Earth. Um, it, it is of a very particular place, of a very particular evening. He is obsessed with these these very strong images. And you don't get cedars in the UK. You don't get that kind of feeling in the UK. You get a sense that the, the highway is available and you can drive down it, right? And you don't get that sense yeah. in the UK at all. So, yeah, I don't think that... I, I don't know what they're doing in that in that adaptation. Uh, maybe that's maybe that's part of the I should say problem. Maybe the issue with this entire adaptation, since the UK adaptation of a Philip K. of Philip K. Dick stories, maybe it's just a, a a cultural mistranslation of a lot of his stuff. They're not really. It may, may, maybe Philip K. Dick is too American for a British or British production to really they did uh, get their hands around. One one of the stories was set on in a space and in another planet and Earth, right? What was that one called? The uh, I think it was the second one. Possible, possible planet. Impossible, Impossible planet, planet, right? So that one didn't feel like we were in England. It it could have been anywhere, I guess. Uh, the production was a yeah. little more. Yeah, but 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 the commuter was set in England. Mm-hmm. This is yeah, set and, in and England. way too English. You know, like and very very English. Yes, the, the care of a cup of tea. Notice it was a cup of tea and not a cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> coffee is so essential to Philip K. Dix because it is it is the <laughs> most it is the most widely used legal brain stimulant. It is probably the most most commonly used drug. In the world now, cigarettes used to be probably maybe there's maybe they still are because China a lot of people. Are. Uh, what's the smoking rates in Taiwan, Evan? Uh, higher than the U.S. Anyways, I, I don't know. I haven't looked it up. But no, like just you know, there's no yeah. consciousness here about smoking next to your kids. People will walk, you know, be walking with their three-year-olds smoking right, cigarettes. Right, right. Yeah. So the 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 uh, I noticed that when I went to the U.K. as well is that you know smoking was way higher than it was. I mean, I know. This part of Canada was also pretty low, except in dope. People smoke a lot of dope here. But cigarette smoking is way down. It always has been well, been down here. Way yeah, ahead. the U.S. was way ahead on that. Yeah, and and so uh, I think coffee is the most com- uh, probably the most commonly in the Western world now. Brain stimulant. And tea is kind of a weak version of that. It's It really does not hit you the way a cup of coffee does. We're... we're we're done. We got to be done on this podcast at some point, right? We did. We did two hours on this short story, wow. but I feel like I could talk about it forever. It's <laughs> a good one. It's a really good yeah. one. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.
Five days a week, Ed Morris made the long commute back and forth between his home and his job, between Earth and Jupiter's moon, Ganymede. Look out, you void brain! Morris hated rocket traffic. There was only one thing he hated more. It was something he couldn't escape, no matter where he went. Sci-Fi Radio presents an adaptation of Philip K. Dick's Sales Pitch. This is it. IT, interplanetary traffic with an update at 7 Eastern, 6 Central, 5 Mountain, and 4 p.m. Pacific time, if you're heading for North America. Jeez, 6 o'clock already. Those of you commuting from Ganymede to Earth are in for a long flight home. Now tell me something new. Jupiter is in opposition to Earth, so you've got a little farther to go tonight. Heavy traffic on the Mars-Jupiter interchange is bringing the flow to a dead stop every few million miles. So watch out for emerging craft there. Thank God, I'm already past that. And speaking of dead stops, there's a 15-ship pileup working on the Ganymede Earth artery, 6.5 million miles on the Earth side of the interchange. Oh, no. Repair ships are on the scene, so if you see any floating debris coming your way, duck. <laughs> That's about it. IT, interplanetary traffic, back with more good news in 15 minutes. So that's why we've stopped. Huh. Sally's going to kill me. Police ships, just great. Hey, wait a minute. I'll follow them out of this mess. Yeah, who cares if it's illegal? I'll just cut in between those two slow commercial transports. Yeah, I'm out of there. Woohoo! Nice driving, Morris. I need a smoke. Autopilot lock. <sighs> Autopilot release. Lord, how tired can you get? Transcellar products greet you. Damn audio ads. Is your tension index pushed over the safety margin by the ordinary frustrations of the day? Shut up! Then you need an id persona unit, so small it can be worn behind the ear, close to the frontal lobe, so that you haven't... Uh, the closer the home, the more they dump this stuff on you. Drivers, thousands of unnecessary deaths each year from interplanetary driving. Hypno motor control from an expert source point ensures your safety. Surrender your body and save your life. Never! Industrial experts say that by the next decade, there should be a 24-second... Mm, hey, what the hell is that? Oh, a giant naked blonde girl with, with enormous... Men. Banish internally caused obnoxious odors forever. Oh, no. A visual audio ad. Removal by modern painless methods of the gastrointestinal tract and the substitution of our system will relieve you of the most acute cause of social rejection. Hey, don't look at me. Does this happen to you when you're with your lover? During erotic sex play, do you offend your love partner by the presence of gastric processes which cause... Oh, it? my eyes. It ought to be illegal to project visual ads right into the brain. A man has a right to close his eyes and see nothing if he wants to. I've got to get home. You there, Mr. and Ms. Wage Earner. Leave me alone. Tired of the same old job? I'm leaving the traffic lanes. 
Sure you are. Wonder Circuits Incorporated has perfected a marvelous long-range thought wave scanner. No one others are thinking and saying, get the edge on fellow employees. I, I can't take this anymore. I'm stepping on it. Right through the barrier into the dead zone. While you learn facts and figures about your employer's personal existence, Banish uncertainty. But wait, that's not all. If you act right now, you'll receive a... Ah, at last, some peace and quiet. It's ridiculous. Look at all this space, this expanse. And they jam us into a narrow corridor to honk and curse and smash into one another while advertisements blare at us. Ah, oh, good. There's the tractor beam for the commute field. All right, take me home. All I want to do is sleep. Sleep and dream. <laughs> Thank God they haven't figured out a way to put ads in your dreams. Yet. If I could just make it home without... Nope, here comes one now. Good evening, sir. You look a little tired. I am. So if you'll just leave me alone, I'd really like... I just happen to sell the finest metabolism adjuster on the market. I don't want any. It's guaranteed to maintain a perfect endocrine balance for your money cheerfully refunded in full. Look, my endocrine balance couldn't be better, so just get lost. There is no need to shove me, sir. I'm here to help you feel better. Hello, madam. I'll bet you're feeling pretty tired right about now. One more block. Uphill. <sighs> Have you heard the news? No, and I don't want to. All the news, while it's news. <sighs> Have a retinal vid screen installed in your least used eye. It's a quick and relatively painless operation. Keep in touch with the world. Mm. Don't wait for out-of-date hourly summaries. Excuse me, did you say relatively painless? Yes. What does that mean? It means causing a momentary minor discomfort. You see, a laser is used... No, no, no. See, I, I, no, I don't want to know the process. I want to know what the pain is comparable to. Is it like, you know, being stuck with a needle or burned or cut with a knife? See, what I'm asking is, what do you personally know about pain? I beg your pardon? What does a bunch of metal and microchips like you know about pain? Human pain and suffering. Look at the other people on the street tonight. Look at them. What do they all have in common? They are all talking to sales robots. Wrong. Sales robots are talking to them. And they're all in pain, exhausted from work, stoop-shouldered with fatigue, and instead of having a relaxing walk home, they have to fend off all of you damned sales robots. You are absolutely right. What? It is tiresome talking about these details while walking uphill on the way home from work. By the way, is this your home? Yes, it is. It is very lovely. Oh. Why don't we both go inside, sit down, and discuss the get, rest get, of... Get the... away from me! If you come any closer to my house, I'm going to smash you with this rock! We don't have to go inside. Let's just sit on the steps, if you like. <sighs> this looks like a very good place to... Darling! Oh, you poor thing. You look so tired. 
Was it rough at work today? No, it was rough coming home. You mean you didn't want to come home? Oh, no, of course I did. The traffic was bad and all the robots. Oh, here, let me give your coat to the closet. <sighs> What's for dinner? Uranian wild pheasant. Hey, no kidding. What the hell's the big occasion? <laughs> Darling, come on. Come on what? I don't like it when you tease me. I'm not teasing you. What's the occasion? It's your birthday. You're 37 years old today. Darling, isn't it today? June 8th? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I forgot about it. Well, it's time to eat, honey. Go over to the wash slot and let it clean you up. Ah, fresh hot coffee made from the bean. Was everything all right? Oh, just great, honey. Real butter and white bread. Yeah. Real mashed potatoes and peas. Mm. We've got to eat like this more often. I'm glad you liked it. Ah, uh, but there's something bothering me. Something we need to talk about. What is it, dear? Well, there's the drive from work, for one thing. Oh, that. I wish you could get a position on Mars like Bob Young. Maybe if you talk to the Employment Commission and explain to them how all the strange... No, no, no. It's not just the drive. It's them. They're right out in front, everywhere, waiting for me, all day and all night. Who, dear? Robots, selling things. As soon as I set the ship down, they're after me. They follow you around until you die. I know, honey. When I go shopping, they follow me in clusters, uh, all talking at once. It's really a panic. You can't understand half of what they're saying. We've got to break out. Break out? What do you mean? We've got to get away from them. They're destroying us. Here, look at this. It was circulated in the office among the men. That got to me, and I kept it. What does it mean? Dear, I, I don't think you've got all of it. There must be more than this. A new world where they haven't got to yet. It's a long way off, out beyond the solar system, out in the stars. Proxima? In the Centaurus system. Only a few thousand people out there. Mm. Families, workers, some industrial survey teams. Land free for the asking. But it's so... Dear, isn't it sort of underdeveloped? They say it's like living back in the 20th century. Flush toilets, bathtubs, gasoline-driven cars. That's right. It's a hundred years behind the time. No kitchens that prepare dinner by themselves. Uh. No living rooms taken straight from the pages of galactic architecture today. We'll have to do without. We'll have to get used to a simpler life, the way our ancestors lived. Ed, I... Think of it. No ads, no sales robots, traffic moving at 60 miles an hour instead of 60 million. Mm. We could raise passage on one of the big trans-system liners. I could sell my commute rocket. Ed, I think we should think it over more. What about your job? <sighs> what would you do out there? Well, I'd find something. But what? Haven't you got that part figured out yet? It seems to me we should consider that part just a little before we throw everything away and just take off. Look, if we don't go, they'll get us. There isn't much time left. I, I don't know how much longer I can hold them off. Really, Ed? You make it sound so melodramatic. Ed, it's your birthday. Let's go out tonight and celebrate, okay? I'll put on my new plaster robe, the one I've never had enough nerve to wear. You know the one I mean? Mm. When you're up close, it's translucent, but as you get farther off, it becomes more and more sheer. Mm, you know, I know the one. I've seen them advertised all the time on the way home from work. Uh, 
Sally. Yes? We need to talk more about Proxima. When the time is right, we'll talk about it. It's time now. Somebody is at the door. Hurry up and see who it is. Uh, well, what do you want? Uh, what is it? Good evening. Evening? Uh, what are you selling? I would like to show you a Fazrad. A what? A Fazrad. It will only take a moment. Uh, yeah, but I... I really... Thank you, thank you. Will you call your wife, please? I would like to show her the Fazrad also. Uh, Sally, come here. What is it? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, it's... Mm -hmm. Just that I've never seen such a large robot. I am six feet, eleven and one-half inches tall and weigh 1,120 pounds. Oh, how nice. Ed, did you order something? What? Are we buying something? Good evening. I am going to show you the Fazrad. Please be seated. On the couch, if you will, both together. Look, what the hell is a Fazrad? I mean, what do I want to know is it... What's going on? I don't want to buy anything. What is your name? Morris. Ed Morris. I'm glad to meet you, Mr. and Mrs. Morris. No. You are the first persons in your neighborhood to see the Fazrad. This is the initial demonstration in this area. Mm -hmm. Mr. Morris, you are employed, I assume. Where are you employed? Yeah, why do you want to know? He works on Ganymede. Sally. What? For the Terran Metals Development Company. Hey. A FASRAD will be of value to you. And what do you do? I'm a tape transcriber at Histo Research. Sally. A FASRAD will be of no value in your professional work, but it will be helpful here in the home. Hey, put down that what? table! For example, sometimes an attractive piece of furniture is damaged by a clumsy guest. Oh, no! When this happens, a FASRAD is needed. Oh, no, not my best oh. laugh. When a FASRAD is possessed, there is nothing to fear. A special situation may occur, like a violent explosion, such as a nuclear bomb. For God's sakes, we... A nuclear bomb attack may never occur, but in such an event, a FASRAD is indispensable. Uh, what are you doing with that tube? Put it down. Stand let's back, say, Sally. Let us say you need an emergency shelter immediately. I have not extended this tunnel I have created, but you can see a FASRAD would save your life in case of attack. Oh, my God. Sometimes a thug or hood will attack a person at night. That takes care of the thug. Oh, well, what about my wall? Oh, Ed, where is he going now? Looks like the kitchen. Often you're too tired in the evening to manipulate the buttons on the stove. Oh, oh stop! Please. Get away from my stove! Bathroom! Oh, Ed, what are we going to do? You may be too weary to run water for your bath. Sometimes, after a hard day at work... Keep away from hey. me! You are too tired to remove your clothing. Oh, no. In that event... Oh. Get out of here! Sally, run and call the cops. The thing's gone crazy. Hurry! The FASRAT is a necessity in all modern homes. For example, an appliance may break down, uh, like this automatic humidity control. The FASRAD repairs it instantly. Oh, please. Sometimes you prefer not to go to work. The FASRAD is permitted by law to occupy your position for a consecutive period not to exceed 10 days. What? If after that period... Good God, you're the FASRAD. That's right. 
fully automatic, self-regulating Android domestic. There is also the FASRAC construction, the FASRAM managerial, the FASRAS soldier, and the FASRAB bureaucrat. I am designed for home use. You, you're for sale. You're selling yourself. I am demonstrating myself. I am sure, Mr. Morris, you would like to own me. I am reasonably priced and fully guaranteed. A full book of instructions is included. I cannot conceive of taking no for an answer. For heaven's sake, it's half past twelve, Ed. Finish untying your shoes and come to bed. You have to be up at five-thirty. I love lying under the radiant lens. Even though it's windy and cold outside, I feel like I'm on a tropical island. Yeah, stranded on a lovely tropical island with a faz rad. Come on, what's wrong with you? Oh. It fixed all the things it broke. It was just demonstrating itself. Oh, what are you doing? Putting my shoe back on. Where are you going? Can you hear me? Certainly. I'm never an operative. Sometimes an emergency occurs at night. A child is sick or an accident takes place. You have no children as yet, but in the event... Well, shut up. I don't want to hear any more of your artificial voice. You ask me a question. Self-regulating androids are plugged into a central information exchange. Sometimes a person wishes immediate information. The FASRAD is always ready to answer any theoretical or factual inquiry, anything not metaphysical. Okay, I've got one for you. Why isn't there a law in this society that would prevent sales robots from invading the privacy of human beings? That is a metaphysical question. Well, it is not. The FASRAD can do thousands of things. The FASRAD never wears out. The FASRAD never makes a mistake. Well, you made a mistake coming here because I'm not going to buy you. Never. Not in a million years. Oh, yes, you are. This is an opportunity you can't afford to miss. Oh. You can't turn me down, Mr. Morris. A FASRAD is an indispensable necessity in the modern home. Get out of here. Get out of my house and don't ever come back. I'm not your FASRAD to order around. Oh. Until you've purchased me at the regular list price, I'm responsible only to self-regulating Android Incorporated. Their instructions were to the contrary. I'm to remain with you until you buy me. Suppose I never buy you. I'll continue to remain with you. Uh. Eventually, you'll buy me. You'll see more and more situations in which a FASRAD is indispensable. Eventually, you'll wonder how you ever existed without one. Is there anything you can't do? Oh, yes, there's a great deal I can't do, uh-huh. but I can do anything you can do, and considerably better. Yeah, well, I'd be insane to buy you. You've got to buy me. I am useful in all situations. Notice how fluffy and free of dust this rug is. <coughs> I have sprayed for moths. In addition to repairing the damage caused by my demonstration, I have painted the living room, uh, reinforced the bathroom ceiling, increased the number of heating vents, put in new electrical wiring, examined your financial accounts, oh. computed your income tax for next year, and sharpened all your pencils. Oh, well, gee, thanks. Uh, hey, how about my blood pressure? Give me your wrist. Hey, hey, let go. What are you doing? Just as I suspected, your high blood pressure is psychosomatic. Ow. You'll feel better after you've turned responsibility over to me. 
Did you know I threw out some old soup your wife was saving? Why? Danger of botulism. Your wife is sexually attractive. Hey. But not capable of a high order of intellectualization. Okay, that does it. Where are you going? To the office. At this time of night? Sally, I'm... Sally. My sweet Sally. I care in the world. Sound asleep on your tropical island. How do you manage to be so happy? Take care of my own life without having some monstrous motorized seven-foot housemaid that costs ten grand in gold units. Apparently, further demonstration is necessary. Hey, what are you doing in here? Get get out of this! Hey, keep that web thing away from my controls. All the control dials and meters are now in complete adjustment. You should have more frequent servicing. I'm going to the rear to examine the drive jet. Yeah, fine. You can stay back there for the rest of the trip. And you're welcome to eject at any time. I will return shortly. This is the best time to drive. Almost no traffic. Plenty of cool black space. It's quiet. No ads. You can think about how vast the universe is. Be happy. Your jets aren't in good repair. I don't like that knock on the main brake drive. Oh. As soon as you land, I'll make an extensive repair. Oh, the company uh, doesn't mind you're doing favors for me? The company considers me your fast rat. <laughs> An invoice will be mailed to you at the end of the month. I will explain the four easy payment plans here on paper. Oh, boy. 10,000 gold units cash means a 3% discount. Yeah, that's nice. In addition, a number of household items may be traded in, items you won't have further need for. If you wish to divide the purchase in four parts, the first is due at once, the last in 90 days. Oh, I always pay cash. There's no carrying charge for the 90-day plan. Mm -hmm. And for the six-month plan, there's a 6% per annum charge, which will amount to approximately... Uh -huh. We've changed course. That's right. We've left the official traffic lanes. What are you doing? There's a two-unit fine for this. We're moving out of the solar system. The current telemetry will send us toward Proxima Centaurus. You guessed it. Mr. Morris, hadn't you better call your wife? The main turbines are beginning to heat. Emergency fuel supply activate. I'll call Mrs. Morris. We'll be beyond range in a short while. Oh, don't bother. She'll worry. Mr. Morris, this ship is not equipped for inter-system travel. It's a Class D four-shaft domestic model for home consumption only. It was never made to stand this velocity. Well, to get to Proxima, we need this velocity. I can take some of the strain off the wiring system with this cable. But unless you revert back to normal, I can't be responsible for the deterioration of the jet. The hell with the jets. We are out of the chartered area. Mm -hmm. We are out of the stall system, Mr. Morris. It's too late to bid your life. There are three emergency rockets in the stern. If you want, I'll fire them off in the hope of attracting a passing military transport. But why? They can take us in tow and return us to the stall system. There's a 600 gold unit fine, but under the circumstances, it seems to me the best policy. Come on, we need more velocity. Oh, here go my instruments. Mr. Morris, you must prepare for death. 
The statistical probabilities of turbine explosion are 70-30. I'll do what I can, but the danger point has already passed. Here they are, the twin stars of Centaurus. They look tremendous, don't they? Twenty planets. Proxima's the important one. How are the jets holding now? I, I can't tell. The instruments are burned out. Mr. Morris, I... Yes? I'll go back and examine them. All right, now, this is it. Give me full power. sons of Centaurus. They're what I've always wanted. In a day or two, I'll float into your center and burn into nothing. But until then, I can just lie here and look at how beautiful you are. Nothing can bother me now. Oh, Sally, would you have liked Proxima? Uh, Probably not. What's that? Mr. Morris. Oh, no, not you. Mr. Morris, I have been damaged. Yeah, well, so have I. I think my arm is broken. I can't feel my legs. I know you won't want to hear that. Well, then just don't say it. Just leave me alone. But now that I have been seriously damaged due to your negligence, you have a legal obligation to repair me. Oh, shut up. If I wasn't pinned down here, I'd take something and smash in your computerized one-track mind. If you agree to buy me outright rather than make payments, I believe the company may absorb half or more of the cost of repairs. Are you stupid, or are you just torturing me? What do you mean? Well, I know the cabin lights are gone, but don't you get the picture? The ship is in pieces. The equipment is gone, and we're going to burn up in the Sons of Centaurus. Which wouldn't be so bad, but I'm going to burn up listening to you babbling your sales pitch. You are to blame for the explosion of this craft. That wasn't a very smart thing to do, Mr. Morris. Not smart? You want to talk about smart? Oh, boy, you call yourself a salesman and you blow it on your first call. (laughs) What does that mean? Blow it. It means you're going to be incinerated very shortly. (laughs) Incinerated? Gone, kablooey, destroyed. Uh, We do not have to be destroyed. Oh, no. I will splice circuits with this instrument and send out a distress signal. We will be rescued. Yeah, thanks a lot. But whatever happens, I'm not going to go back to Earth. I'm going to live on Proxima. Proxima is acceptable to me. Will you buy me now? I'll let you know. Proxima Centauri, a new world around a distant star, a haven from the hectic pace of modern life, a world with none of the modern conveniences. That is, not until now. Little do they know that they'll soon be blessed with a Fazrad.
and their troubles will be over. Sales pitch featured Rick Spiegel as Ed Morris, Charlotte Taylor as Sally, and Bryce Armstrong was Fazrad. Other voices included Pam Doherty and David Roth. The original story sales pitch was written by Philip K. Dick and adapted for sci-fi radio by Brad Schreiber. The director was John O. Williams. All music and sound effects were created by Ron DiUlio at Audio Visual Associates in Euless, Texas. Producers are Kevin Singer and Ron DiUlio. Support for Sci-Fi Radio has been provided by a grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. This is James Edward Kerr inviting you to join me soon for our next venture into the imaginary worlds of Sci-Fi Radio.